I'm Ed Pakulski. Welcome to News Engine, an inside look at how and why we publish news and events. Pat McKenna has been associate editor of the Times Tribune since 1990. He's a member of the newspaper's editorial board, and before becoming associate editor, Pat spent a number of years covering local, state, and federal courts for the Times Tribune. Pat, welcome to News Engine. Glad to be here. Thank you, Edward. So you're the associate editor at the newspaper, and I'm not sure everyone knows what the associate editor does. Can you tell us about your position? Um, associate editor here, uh, technically it means that I'm attached to the publisher's office rather than the newsroom, and I'm in charge of the opinion pages of the newspaper, the editorial page and the op-ed page. Um, it, it's part of the effort to make crystal clear that the opinion pages are separate and distinct from the news pages. You touch on something that I want to talk about. You, you said it exactly the way I have this question framed. Two distinct sections of the newspaper, the op-ed or opinion section, and then our news section or, or editorial section. And I think these days, some folks have a hard time seeing the difference between the two. And, and maybe you can frame that a little bit for the listeners. Can you describe the difference between the, the news side of, of what we do and the opinion side of what we do? Sure. And it's not just a new problem. It's a, a, a problem as long as, as old as journalism itself. The opinion pages um, are at the very, very tail end of the news process. Nobody in the news department is involved in any way in the production of the editorial pages, either in terms of content or the physical pages or today the online pages, other than to push the button to put them on the press or to put them online. Uh, it's a totally separate and distinct operation from the news department. And, you know, in the, in the parlance of the business, there's a firewall between the newsroom and the opinion pages. No reporter, no news editor is ever involved in any way in any decision that's made for the opinion pages. So I've, I've been in news planning meetings where, where we come up with a plan on how we're going to cover a story. And you're never in that room. You're never part of that. Correct. And, and I don't know that that's, uh, that's common knowledge. So when a reporter goes out to cover a story, uh, unless they've read an op-ed in one of our publications prior to that story, they have no idea what you guys think. That's right. And um, actually, it's, it's, it, the process is a little bit tough on reporters sometimes because, you know, we may, uh, we may write an editorial that's tough on, say, the mayor. And uh, the city hall reporter has to go and talk to the mayor about something else that day. And he might hear about it. And he might tell me about it, you know. But um, it's not on him. It's on me. And uh, we, we strive mightily to maintain that in, in a number of ways. We, if you look at our editorial and opinion pages online and in the paper, um, they're bluntly labeled. Our, our editorial column is called Our Opinion Okay, um, the letters to the editor column is called your opinion. Uh, the op-ed page is labeled op-ed, and they obviously are uh, the content is columns and, and cartoons and other graphic art from a variety of sources, all of which express some sort of opinion. So you actually write the editorials, or some or most of the editorials that that appear in our publications, and and how do you come up with the topics? For that, obviously, they're very timely and connected to the news of the day. But you're not sitting there waiting for a phone call, right? Where somebody says, you know, McKenna, 
we need this editorial or we need that. I mean, I, I know you may get nudged yeah, here and we there. Have, we have editorial board meetings, and uh, it's, it's very rare for somebody to say, though, you have to do an editorial on this. It's largely generated from my end. But the editorial board and, and you know, builds a structure for what we want to write about. We have certain principles um, that we want public officials to adhere to that, that we apply to the community in general. Um, for example, um, from public officials, um, we, we have a series of things we would like to see them do as citizens, okay? Leadership, independence, transparency. So when it comes to the actual content that we publish, um, if you read our editorials, I think you'll see that they, they tend to address uh, the performance of public uh, public officials relative to our perception of their adherence to those principles. Um, and, and the same thing applies across the board through the editorial process into endorsements. So it, it's really, uh, it's news driven. Uh, it's what's going on in town, major issues, uh, Harrisburg. Uh, but we try, our objective is to try to hold public officials accountable um, to a, a, a set of principles that's broader than those that I mentioned, but there, there are three of the big ones that we try to hold people's feet to the fire based on how they perform in office. So it's really about, you use the word accountability, it's really, it's not about Republican, Democrat, Independent, it's about accountability. It's not we don't like you or we don't think you're a good guy. It's we need to talk about the job you're doing and how well you're doing it. Yeah, we we strive not to be personal. I mean, inevitably, um, you know, pe people in this business don't wrap themselves in bubble wrap when they come to work and separate themselves from the universe. We, we all have our own experiences in education and um, you know, and, and we have certain thoughts about the people we deal with, much as they have certain thoughts about us as individuals. But, you know, objectivity and um, fairness are institutional prerogatives. They're not, they're not individual prerogatives in the, in the journalism world. It's, it's the objective of the institution to adhere to those things. And that's what we strive mightily to do by applying multiple sets of eyes to everything we produce so that it's not Pat McKenna doesn't like politician X, it's the Times Tribune attempting to hold politician X accountable for what he does or doesn't do. You had mentioned that it might be tough from time to time for a reporter that's, let's say, covers a, a mayor or county government or uh, any number of beats uh, to go out and cover that politician. But you live here, you pay taxes here. Is it tough for you to sometimes go out and, and bump into these folks? Do they give you a, a good going over? Uh, yeah, um, and, and there's a social cost to what we do. You know, um, there's certain cocktail parties you don't might not get invited to. You know, but that's okay. It's part of the business. Uh, um, and it, for my part, I can say, and I, I speak for the editorial board as well. It's never, ever, ever personal. We we just don't go there, and uh, there's no reason to go there. I can say that I have read an editorial that you wrote. I've seen a politician react to it. In an angry or upset or mm, they disagree kind of way. And I've seen you have fun conversations or kind or, you know, uh, interesting conversations with that exact same politician. I I've seen all parts of that. Yeah, I, I think that most people in public life recognize that that we're part of the drill. Um, you know, we're called the fourth estate for a reason, you know. Um, they know that we're here. And I, I've... Uh, 
I have often told some people who don't want to deal with us with us or think we're unfair or uh, think they can get around us, especially now in the, the digital media age. You know, we've been here under the, the current ownership since 1895. I said, you know, we're, we're going to be here long after you're gone and long after I'm gone. So we might as well play, you know. And uh, usually, you know, they come around. And, and I think as a practical matter as people, most people just want the opportunity to make their case. Um, they may not think or have any reasonable expectation that we're going to believe them or agree with them. But we, we make sure they have the opportunity to make the case. You had mentioned the editorial board earlier. And just in case there's any confusion about what exactly that is, tell me a little bit about the construct of the editorial board. Who, who's on it and what exactly is the editorial board doing? Right now, the editorial board is in kind of flux um, because of some management and ownership, or not ownership changes, but management changes is here at the paper. Um, traditionally, the uh, editorial board here um, have been the publishers and certain news executives. Uh, that's a little touchy because some of the news executives don't want to be involved in it, you know, because they're involved in news. But uh, they typically are. Right now, the editorial board only has four members. It usually has seven Sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, right now, it's me, uh, Larry Haliba, who's the executive editor of uh, this paper and others in the Time Shamrock Group. Joe Butkowitz, our managing editor, and Jim Lewandowski, who's the CEO. And uh, we do joint interviews uh, and, and that sort of thing. So we have a candidate that we want to talk about their run for office. We'll invite them in to sit down with the editorial board. Sometimes people say no. Can you get an endorsement from the Times Tribune if you refuse to meet with the editorial board? Yeah. Um, as, as a matter of fact, Scranton School Board race this year, most of the races were decided by this stupid cross-filing system in the primary where candidates can file for the Republican and Democratic nominations. Most of the candidates won both nominations, so they're, they're going to be elected. Two candidates um, did not win both nominations, so they, in effect— are facing each other for the last seat. Both of those guys have declined to come in um, for an interview. We'll still endorse one of them uh, based on what we know about them. But I, I think it's foolish for them to do that. Now, in the one case, Bob Borthwick, who's the Republican nominee, he has run a couple of times and we haven't endorsed him. This is Tom Borthwick. I'm sorry, Tom Borthwick, you're right. correct. I, um, I get it. You know, he thinks we're not going to endorse him. Okay, so, and, and he's told us, in the past, what he thinks, and I, I get it. So we have that record. Um, the other candidate is Ty Holmes, a Democrat. We haven't really had any dealings with him. So I, I don't know why he's not coming in. He simply said he's not coming in. But we'll we'll look at it and endorse one of those guys. It brings me to another question about newspaper endorsements. Why do newspapers, some newspapers, still endorse candidates? Well, I, I don't see a reason not to. I mean, it's a hot topic in the business. I, um a, a lot of newspapers these days are saying they don't want to endorse because um, there's no way to know if it has any impact on the race, which of course is true. Um, and the reward you get for it is that you you know you make some of your readers angry because you didn't endorse their candidate. But the value of it, I think, is is outweighs those concerns. Uh, many of the chain newspapers have stopped doing it, but the, the dirty little secret of that is, is that it's a very labor-intensive process. 
not doing it for whatever grand wrapping they put on it enables them not to assign staff to it. And, it, you know, it, it, it saves them that money and that time and that effort. Um, we work really hard at it. And it's, it, it's an institutional prerogative of the newspaper as a citizen in the community. Um, you know, most people don't have the opportunity to sit down one-on-one with the candidate. We do that for them. Um, and if you look at modern campaigns, candidates, you know, they're out talking about everything from their ethnic backgrounds to their love of the police uh, to whatever, anything that sits well with most people, they'll talk about anything other than issues. You know, they, they even in local races now, they're spending all kinds of money on anything but telling you what they're going to do in office. Um, they can't do that with us. We, they, they come in and we ask them pointed questions about pointed things, and uh, they answer or they don't. So one of the complaints has always been that, well, you know, I don't want to tell you guys what I think because I don't want it to be filtered by the news media. But what, in effect, happens if we're not part of that equation, there's no filter. It's it's what you said. A candidate just goes on social media or YouTube or wherever and just talks about what they want to talk about. They don't actually wind up talking about what affects, you know, the taxpayer and the community and important issues that need to be put out there that the kind of stuff you would talk about maybe at a debate. Well, you know, in the details also, like, uh, you know, candidates for the state legislature, for example, always come in and say, need property tax reform. Well, you know, you do need property tax reform. How are you going to do it? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out when I get there. Well, how are you going to do it? And they have no idea, most times. It's astounding to me how often candidates come in and say exactly that. Well, I, you know, I'm going to have to get in there before I find out how the place really works. So, like and I mentioned before, our principle of leadership and transparency, well, 0 for 2. You know, so... If you're running for public office, that implies that you think that you can lead in whatever position. So you can't say that, like, I'm going to go in there, and for the first six months, I'm going to figure out what's going on. No, we're not paying you for on-the-job training. You're not exactly going to jump into a pool to learn how to swim. Right. You're probably going to figure it out. And you get all, all sorts of things like that where people just, you know, they're running based on anything other than how they would actually perform an office. And our function and the re- part of the reason that we do this is to, to flush them out on that kind of stuff. Why is it important that readers know what we think about an issue, any issue? Well, and, you know, again, people go about their lives every day and they work and they have kids and they do all, all sorts of things all day and they don't have time to go after these things to the extent that we do. It's our business. It's our lives. Um, one of my colleagues were talking about that this morning. I got, we were talking about a, uh, a particular issue in the paper today, and, and I said, why don't people know this? Like, why aren't they up in arms about it? And that's the very reason. You know, they have their own things to worry about. It's our thing to worry about and to inform them. And the, the editorial endorsements, the editorial process are simply an extension of that. Um, a former managing editor, he's deceased now, but he used to describe what I do as, um, you know, a general sitting up on the hillside and watching the battle unfold in the, the valley below. And then when it's over, he rides down and kills the wounded, you know. And there, there's, 
there's an element of truth to that because we come in from the editorial side at the very, very tail end of the news process. Our hope is that we can take the raw news, what our reporters diligently have gathered, um, and, and flesh it out and try to add a little more context to it and better inform the readers. Now, again, we have these these principles we hope that we can apply to these things, to government especially, but also to community life, you know. And um, it, it's a matter of information and civic engagement. Um, our objective is not just to yak at people and tell them what we think. We provide ample space for them to tell us what they think, you know, on in the paper and online. And we in, always invite people, whether they agree with us or disagree with us, to state their case. There's an awful lot of to be continued in the op-ed pages. You know, we'll address a subject, uh, but we'll revisit it time and time again. But we're not afraid to say that we got something wrong, are we? Oh, no. And um, it's difficult when an issue is unfolding. Um, You know, we state our case, again, based on these principles that we've talked about, right? And um, sometimes things go sideways. Sometimes, you know, you can't be right. Nobody's right 100% of the time, and we certainly wouldn't suggest that we are. And uh, we go back and revise. We go back and say, got that one wrong. Uh, We invite people to tell us in our space that we got that wrong, you know. Um, So, you know, we we try to be as as straight up as as humanly possible. And uh, and I think the best way you can do that is simply by inviting everyone to be engaged. People aren't afraid or shy about telling us what they think. And one of the reasons we had uh, you come in today uh, was to talk about the transparency of the newspaper. And, and I think what we discussed shines some light on that. There's no evil plot here. This is us being open. This is us talking about what we do and how we do it. The sausage making, so to speak. It's right. not a secret. And, you know, it's funny when I um, people sometimes tell me how our process works. Well, you know, the boss just wants, you know, the boss directed that story. The boss, you know, they wanted this done for their own political, and they're talking about news stories. You know, I've been around here for 43 years. I have never seen anybody from the publisher's office show up in the newsroom and say, here's what you got to do on this this story. Just does does not happen. I know enough folks that have worked here over the years. uh, I can't imagine a reporter or an editor not having outrage if, if that right. were to happen well any, any it'd be a scene anybody in the journalism business who's worth his salt right has a a, 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 a sort of a baseline of beginnerism in him right uh, challenging the status quo um challenging authority because that's what you do every day when you go and ask sensitive questions of people in power and and that doesn't exist only outside the newspaper <laughs> You know, any any reporter uh, in our newsroom who's worth his salt is, is going to react badly to being, you know, directed to find, you know, the, the fundamental job is to go where the information takes you. And if someone were to be directed to, to not go to the end of that road or to take a detour to, to reach a particular conclusion, you know, there'd be hell to pay. And, and as you say, outrage. And it, it, it's it's... I don't know of it ever happening here. I'm unaware of it happening, uh, and the outrage would be, you know, rightfully so. Yes, and uh, you know, re- reporters are a cantankerous lot generally, and for good reason. And you know, people always tell journalists, "Oh, you're cynical." Well, we come by it honestly. You know, it comes from a lifetime of people lying to us. You know, um, and, and so 
we, we know how to seek information. Um, we have a good sense when we hear it, whether it's right or wrong. And then, of course, there are innumerable ways to find out if it's right or wrong, especially these days. So, you know, the idea that it's, it's directed towards a certain end is just wrong. Now, on my end, on the opinion end, yeah, we have opinions. But we, you know, flatly stated on the, on the page our opinion. You're free to agree, disagree. But we do ask that when you disagree, you base it on facts, just as we try to do. You know, um, you know, it's the old Pat Moynihan thing. You're entitled to your own opinion, but not to your own facts. We live by that, and we want people who engage with us to live by that as well. Fair enough. Pat, thanks so much for coming by. Uh, you'll agree to do this again? Sure. Thanks, Pat.